Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then took leave of the brothers, and set sail to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Cancree he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the scriptures that we have, the sacred scriptures. They're there to help us to walk on that narrow road, to keep doing your will, to keep fighting the good fight, and to keep hearing what your word has to say so we can walk humbly with you and obediently. So help us, Father. Help us to listen to your word now. Prepare our hearts and our ears to hear, our minds to take in, and our hearts to, to become doers of the word. That your word will not just sit in our minds and hold on to knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I pray that we would have a heart that is willing to serve. So Father, please help me to be clear, help me to be understood, and, and, and help us all just to hear and be built up in Christ. Have mercy upon us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I remember to push record again. Spurgeon boldly declared, He is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. Obviously, you have to be a Christian before you can seek to serve God. But if you're a Christian and you're not serving in the church or outside the church for the glory of God, then you, you can't really call yourself a Christian because then you're not being a doer of God's word. So Spurgeon boldly declared, He is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. And this is what we see Paul doing in the book of Acts. When God saved him back in chapter 9, we see him having a willingness to serve. He's under the compulsion to preach and to proclaim the good news, Christ crucified, his works and his words. Do we have a willingness to serve? And I'm talking to us Christians. Do we have a willingness to serve? And by the, word, by the word willingness, I mean the state of being ready or prepared to do something. Example, Jack, your neighbor, has injured his ankle and he cannot mow his lawn. But you are prepared to do something to help him. And he's an unbeliever, so you want to go and mow his lawn and you have a willingness to serve him. And at the same time, you might have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to him. A willingness to serve. God has not saved us to sit around and wait for things to come our way. We go out there 
and we are doers of his word and opportunities come, then have we an attitude of a willingness to serve? As Christians, we should be looking for opportunities to serve for the glory of God. We are bond servants of Christ Jesus, meaning we are slaves. We get the word slave from the Greek word doulos. We are a slave. We, we've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Acts, in Acts 20, Paul says, The church of God which he bought with his own blood. This is slave language. We have been bought. We are not our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're a slave. We, we are a servant to serve. You don't see servants being served. You see servants serving. Jesus himself said, so, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and he set the example. And we should walk in like manner, in the same manner as he walked. On the night before he was crucified, he served his disciples by washing their feet. He wasn't sitting in the, corner, in the corner all depressed and discouraged and despondent and woe is me. He was serving through pain and suffering. He even said, I am among you as the one who serves. Serving characterized Jesus' life. He was the Son of God. He was the humblest, most servant-hearted man who ever lived. He demonstrated his willingness to do the lowliest form of service. And so does Paul. And here at Robertson Reformed Community Church, we should have a willingness to serve as brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be serving our brothers and sisters within the church, and we should be looking how we can serve unbelievers outside the church. A service to others doesn't necessarily have to be related to church-designed programs. When you see a need, there should be a willingness to serve, and then you should use your God-given ability to serve those around you. You might be saying, well, how do we know what people's needs are? Well, if, unfortunately, we don't have coffee and tea at the moment, but if you fellowship afterwards, you can find out what people's needs are. If you're in prayer meeting, we pray about people's needs and for their needs. If you're at home fellowship group, before we start the study, we, 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 I tell the, 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 the group who to pray for and what to pray for. And that's how we find out what people's needs are. And then that's how we can have an attitude, a willingness to serve. It starts in the small groups and it grows out. I like what someone put, and I just messed it around a bit. If Jesus was in our church, do you think he would do nothing? If Jesus was in this church, would, do you think he would do nothing? Would he simply attend the worship service every morning and just leave? Do we think he would serve or merely observe? We know the answer. We know what Jesus would do. 
If we're not serving, let's be honest, if we don't have a willingness to serve and we're not serving, it means we're not reading the Gospels to see what Jesus was doing. Because in the Gospels we see that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Are we laying down our lives for people? And I'm not talking to die for them, but sacrificially to help them. Is it easy? No. We need God's strength, God's grace and God's mercy to help us. Because a lot of the times we turn our back and say, well, someone else can do it. Someone else will help that person. Well, I'll pray for him. We must stop saying that. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, demonstrates in Acts chapter 18, verses 18 to 22, he demonstrates a willingness to serve. So let's look at these a few verses from Acts chapter 18, verses 18 to 22. And let's look at two things from Paul's life to see what a willingness to serve looks like. To challenge us. To challenge us to have a willingness to serve. Because when you have a willingness to serve, it expresses love for God, it brings pleasure to God and people and to yourself, the one who's serving. It's better to give than to receive, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. It's better to give than to receive. That's why you can, you can to parents, you can start in the home with your children. Teach them to serve you, in a sense, make your cup of tea or coffee if they're able to, or, or, or bring something. As, as our children grew up, they, they, they did things around the house. Mow the lawn, do the dishes, tidy up their rooms. That's where you start to serve, show respect. So there are lots of ways where we can teach our children to serve. Teach them to serve where they are at school. Not to be a teacher's pet or to suck up to the teacher, but if the teacher needs help, serve. But if we don't start here, we're never going to go out into the world and serve. But we don't always have to be serving in helping one another. We'll see now Paul's first thing to see what a willingness to serve looks like is Paul keeps on faithfully witnessing for Jesus. A willingness to serve faithfully witnesses for Jesus. The greatest need in our world is for the lost to hear the gospel of Jesus. The greatest need amongst people now with this virus is for them to hear the gospel. Recently we spent four consecutive Sundays, I think it was the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th and the 23rd of May, looking at the Christian story to help us to understand the Christian story so that we can witness it to the lost and we do it for the glory of God. And opportunities will arise. Sometimes we've got to step out in boldness and create an opportunity. But if we don't have a willingness to serve Jesus, then we're not going to have a willingness to be a witness for Him either. 
Paul is tired. Paul has has just come from Corinth. And last week and the week before we learned how, how he was encouraged in Corinth. And he now sets sail. Well, he wants to go from Corinth down to Cancrea. And then he wants to go across to Syria, but things don't pan out like that. He walks from Corinth to to, um, Syncrahi, then he gets on a boat and he sails across to Ephesus. And he takes along with him Aquila and Priscilla. They must have encouraged each other a lot as they departed. But before Paul departs from Syncrahi, because there in verse 18, at Syncrahi, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And he was under some Nazarite vow. And you can read about the vows in number 6. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. Now, he wasn't under compulsion to adhere to the Mosaic law. He wasn't, he wasn't influenced to break away with grace, thinking that this vow is going to keep him his salvation. No, he was just influenced by his Jewish tradition. He made a vow. And then when he got to Sankrahi, he, he cut his hair. And just reading around, it was kind of a means for him to express his thankfulness to God in a uniquely Jewish way. To show his deep thanks for God's marvelous encouragement during the difficult times in Corinth. Remember, he spent a year and a half in Corinth, not just a week or two. And like I said, this vow wasn't a matter of salvation, he was not abandoning grace for law. It was a personal devotion to God. He was just giving thanks to God. And, he was, and, and so he shaved his hair. Now that doesn't mean we must copy Paul and all arrive next Sunday with shaved heads. How can you make personal devotion to God? Well, when you wake up in the morning, you can just thank God for allowing you to be awake. Thank God that you are healthy and now you can go out there and witness for Him through your works and your words. Or, or when you go to bed at night, thank God for sparing you as well, for giving you the strength to get through the day. We should be thanking God always. In everything, thank Him. In everything, always giving thanks to God. Because it's only by His grace we are this morning, and only by His grace we are sustained. So I'm not going to go read too much into that vast story. That's what I read and that's what it has to say. But when Paul arrived in Ephesus, being at sea for about 400 kilometers, what does he do? He came to Ephesus, verse 19, and he left them there, that's Aquila and Priscilla. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. 
Paul carries on with a willingness to serve. What an obedient man. He carries on witnessing faithfully for Jesus. We know he was told, if we look back at Acts chapter 9, if you look back at Acts chapter 9 with me, you will see he was told. Starting at verse 14. Sorry, verse 15. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, he's speaking to Ananias, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And then Ananias departed and entered the house and went and spoke with brother Saul, who became Paul. In spite of his calling, in spite of him going to suffer for Jesus' name, he continues with a willingness to serve. A willingness to, to go into the synagogue. That's what he did. Every town that Paul came into, he enters into a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue. And there he reasons with the Jews about Jesus, who is the Christ. We too are called to be faithful witnesses for Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, apologies, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. And you return over to verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There it is. We've been called to be a witness for Jesus. Our works and our words. We're called to be the salt and light. The church is called to be the salt and light. It's called to be a light on a hill. And then we go out there and we reflect that light into the lives of people through our lifestyle, through how we, how we live. But if we don't have a willingness to serve, then we're not going to let our light shine through our good works. We're not going to have good works out there and we're not going to bear fruit and, and they won't see our light. We have a marvellous twofold testimony. The first way we spread the gospel is by living exemplary lives. That's how Paul lived. An exemplary life. This is how the church of Thessalonica lived. Paul said to them, when he wrote to the church of Thessalonica, he said to them, You were an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
And not only to the believers, they would have been a testimony to the unbelievers as well. Because they had a willingness to serve as they served others. And others would have looked at them and said, this is the way we ought to be living. Look at the church of Thessalonica. Look how they're serving. Look how they treat each other in the church. And look how they treat the people outside the church. They were exemplary people. Someone said, it isn't the program or creativity that gives a church a credible testimony. It is each member's Christ-likeness. People need to see God in our lives. They need to see Christ in our lives. They need to see something of Christian-like in our lives at least. We can't say we're a Christian and then they, they question your walk. I, thought, I didn't know Christians did this. I didn't know Christians did that. I thought we did that and they did something else. You want me to believe in your God, but you're no different to me. You still get drunk every night. You still party every night. You still staying with your whoever. You're no different to me. When God saves us, He changes us. And then the work of sanctification starts. The process of making us more like Christ-likeness. Purifying us. Setting us apart. We are transformed. If we're reading God's Word, we will, we will be transformed every day into Christ-likeness. We will want to be like Him. But we can only become like Him if we are in the Scriptures and we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work of sanctification in our hearts that's cleansing us and purifying us and transforming us more into Christ-likeness. So that first thing that I mention is, is people should look at our testimony And see something different in our lives. And the second way we spread the gospel is through our verbal witness to the world. You cannot just live a lifestyle and say nothing. Because faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. How are they going to hear if a preacher is not sent? So you're kind of a preacher. But you are proclaiming the good news. When people see what you've got and they want to talk to you about it. Then you've got to verbal, verbalize what it's all about. And this was happening to the church of Thessalonica as well. In verse 8, Paul says to them, From you sounded out the word of God in every place. They were living it and they were proclaiming it. And the world was watching them. So as we live exemplary lives, we will also sound forth God's word. We cannot keep silent. Our testimony should never be independent of God's word. It's our works and our words. Jesus evangelized and witnessed his entire life. In Luke 10, 19 it says, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And when Jesus, after the wilderness wanderings, and when, he, and when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was in the wilderness wanderings, and then the angel came to him and, and helped him and ministered to him, he went out and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He started witnessing for his Father's glory verbally. And we have a message. We have such a beautiful message. 
But are we willing to serve? Do we have a willingness to serve? To share this message no matter what the cost? We have all been called to live a witnessing lifestyle in our community. And the lost then should be able to look at our lives and say, only God should do that in a person's life. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful person. Is our church growing because we are witnessing? Because we have a willingness to serve out there? Is our church growing because we are faithfully witnessing for Jesus out there in our community? I mentioned earlier on in the sermon, we must stop our attitude of someone else will do that. You know, someone else will, will share the gospel with that person someday. We can duck and dive, but you can't duck and dive God when you have to give an account of your life one day. Like Spurgeon said, he is no Christian who does not seek to serve his God. That's not serving God. If we just duck and die, excuses, excuses. Paul had a willingness to serve, and he showed it by faithfully witnessing for Jesus, where everywhere he went. So this first thing that we looked at from Paul's life in Acts chapter 18, verses 18 to 22, and Lord willing, we'll look at the second thing, which is to do with, with depending on God, if the Lord wills. And that's a very interesting subject, if the Lord wills. I want to spend more time on that, Lord willing, next week. Because if the Lord wills, we are depending on God. Or are you depending just on yourself? But this first thing we looked at this morning from Paul's life to see what a willingness to serve looks like. Well, we saw it in Paul's life how he kept faithfully witnessing for Jesus. But are we challenged to have a willingness to serve? Will it be shown in our faithfulness to Jesus as we witness for him? Because Jesus on the cross didn't die just to forgive your sins and then you can sit around. He gave you His Spirit. His Spirit indwells you so that you would receive power to faithfully live the Christian life and to share it faithfully. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not to do funny things, but the power to... to to have the strength and the courage and the boldness to go out there and witness for Him, which is not easy. To be patient with people, to be tender, to be loving, to be kind. That's the power we need, to not lose it with people, to not become impatient. And then we play a fighting game when we try and witness someone. We receive power from the Holy Spirit to be a faithful witness for Jesus to proclaim the good news, the gospel of God, so that the Holy Spirit can open the eyes of the lost. He can turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins to serve the living and true God. Isn't that what we want for our family and friends? Yes, we can't save them, 
But when opportunities to arrive, to witness to them, to keep sowing that seed, to keep watering the seed, are we doing that? And if we have a willingness to serve, we will. But if we don't have a willingness to serve them, what are we doing? Why are you a Christian? Is it to see what you can get from God to build your empire here on, on earth? Just to receive blessing after blessing? We're called to be the salt and light. We're called to go and shine God's glory into the hearts and lives of people. And those that have a willingness to serve will do such a thing. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that we can learn so much from Paul. Such a humble man. But a man that kept on standing up and kept on proclaiming Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, who was willing to lay down his life for the lost in how he went around preaching and teaching in the synagogues and to the Gentiles. Father, give us wisdom. Or first, please forgive us if we're not willing to serve, or if we don't have an attitude of a willingness to serve and faithfully proclaim the gospel. Help us, Father, to become like Paul, a willingness to serve. Help us to start in small ways and grow as we grow bolder and more courageous. Father, please help us we're not here to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. We are to be workers. Faith without works is dead. So Father, please, please help each one of us to be challenged, to have a willingness to serve. And when we go into the week, help us to pray for opportunities. Help us to pray so, we, so that we can be bold and, and what we ought to say is clear and understood. Help us to depend more on you, Father, and not lean on our own understanding and be wise in our own eyes. Help us, Father, as we come now to the Lord's table to be reminded that we've been purchased with the precious blood of Christ and we're not our own. We belong to him. Please be merciful to us, Father. Thank you you've given us your spirit and we receive power to do such things. We're left without an excuse. Help us to have a change of attitude, to have a willingness to serve, here in this church and outside in our community. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.